The Commentary Booth is a show for media lovers by media lovers just like you. If you want to support the show, go to jamieappsmedia.com. Welcome to The Commentary Booth, the ultimate weekly entertainment recap and review show. My name is Jamie Apps, and each week I'll be joined by a rotating cast of co-hosts to run you through the entertainment media we've consumed during the week. Along the way, we'll provide you with insightful commentary and reviews. This week, I'm joined by a teacher and now new dog owner who lists her favourite movie as the entire Harry Potter series, favourite TV show as Parks and Rec. Welcome back to the show, Leah Poulton. Hey, hey, happy to be here. I'm glad you mentioned my puppy. She's so cute. How is uh, that all going? Well, little Piper um, came on Friday. We had a 14-hour drive. Uh, it was oh my long. God. Where did it you get her from? Coffs Harbour. Um, but she was like, she's the best. She's so cute. I've got her, her little Instagram, so if anyone wants to follow her. She's Frenchie, and she's the cutest thing ever. She's currently asleep on my lap. Oh, that's nice. How's the uh, potty training and stuff going? Uh, it's going uh, slowly. She has a little mat that she goes to, but she's just had a few accidents. But I think it's more of an attitude thing. <laughs> she takes after her mother. If you tell her to do something, she'll do the exact opposite. So. She just has to be defiant for the sake yep. of being defiant. Definitely. They're stubborn breeds, so. Oh, well. She's cute, though. That doesn't sound like you or Sean at all. I know. I know. She has ADHD like my husband, too. So she's been doing zoomies around the, co- uh, the coffee table, and she's crazy. <laughs> Sounds like <laughs> definitely your dog, then. That's right. How are you going this week? Yeah, good. Nah, super busy as usual, but... Have you been out because of the restrictions or...? Uh, I started going out a little bit and then um, there was the positive case in Shell Harbour. So I was like, okay, back to staying at home again. Yeah. It's a bit crazy, yeah. Yeah, that's a little bit too close to home for me to be risking going to Kmart or the shops. Exactly. And I mean... Yeah, it's not worth it, really. Now that it's like the long weekend happened and all that stuff, it's just yeah, a bit, bit too like bit too worrying. Hey, yeah, like we don't want to do what Victoria and the US have done and have that second massive spike again. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, Vic- Victoria's a little bit crazy at the moment. They've pretty much gone back down to level three and a looking to go further i think yeah i saw that my brother's down there so told him to keep safe yeah yeah it's just like i don't understand why people can't just get their head around do this for a short period of time and we'll be all better off and if you are going to go out like even though our government's saying that masks aren't necessary maybe just wear one just for the sake of it like I know, it's sort of like people that think that they're invincible, but they need to think of everybody else too. Do you know what I mean? Like there's people at risk. Yeah, exactly. It's You're not looking after yourself. It's the other people. Like 
wearing a mask might be inconvenient for the half an hour to an hour a year at the shops, but it could save someone's life. Exactly. So it's a little sacrifice, you know what I mean? But yeah, to, to avoid that, I've just been watching lots of TV, movies, played some video games, played nice. a lot of video games over the weekend. Okay. That's what I did with the puppy. I just sat with her, stopped, stared at her all weekend and watched TV. So what have you been watching? So the, the big main one was uh, the fourth and final season of 13 Reasons Why. Okay. Okay. I watched the first season and then I felt like it just got a bit too heavy for me, which is very funny because I love true crime, but I'd love to hear a little bit about it. Yeah, the, the first season, as you said, is incredibly heavy, um, mm. really quite sad. The second season followed on that same trend where it was the fallout of spoilers hannah's death and all the rape allegations and stuff coming out right and then what was season season three was then post the trial where bryce is convicted Um, okay one of the other students then sort of has a mental breakdown and is planning to shoot up the school so you have that whole aspect yeah i think that's where i stopped like i, I think i must have watched the two seasons because i remember the last the second season ended with the guy getting the gun out yeah yeah so that, and then this fourth and final season uh bryce spoiler is murdered so then they're Oh, was that in the third season? So that was the third season Bryce gets killed and then this fourth season is then following up on the fallout of that and how Clay and the other kids covered it up. So I feel like it gets darker as it goes along. Does it? Yeah, this fourth season is incredibly dark. It's all right. Clay having a mental breakdown about everything that's happened during his high school years. Yeah, I mean, as a school teacher, we had to actually do some training on how to cope with teenagers talking about the series. Well, yeah, I imagine. Yeah, because it's so heavy. And there is like a little bit of like a glorifying thing of suicide, do you know what I mean? Like this memorising Hannah. So we had to like talk to the kids about it. And it was just really interesting how like the season, I don't know, that was like kind of the purpose being like, okay, we'll talk about the hard stuff that does happen in real life, but there's also, like, this balancing act between what's too heavy and what's not. You know, when you're going to get young audiences there? Yeah, like, I think they're absolutely important stories and lessons to learn, but it really, if you have kids watching it or young teens, like, they definitely need to have somebody around that they can then talk to about the issues that it raises because it does that's right. cover some pretty big things. Yeah, that's what we said, like get the parents to actually watch it with them and have a conversation about it. Don't just let them watch it off their own. But, I mean, you can't control what kids do all the time. Especially in Netflix, like you can just watch it on an iPad or their laptop yeah. in their room. Like It's not like they have to go out into the lounge room and watch it on TV at 8.30 on Monday night or whatever. That's right. Do you think the fourth season was good or? Yeah, again, incredibly sad, um, mm. especially if 
don't want to spoil too much if you're a fan of a particular character and uh, it brings up sort of there's a whole story arc on obviously sexual assault which is a big thing and then HIV and AIDS I mean they're all important things to talk about but I just wonder if the series like did it justice or do you think it, it didn't trivialize it do you think it actually did it justice the f- yeah it did um I think it left the way it covered the HIV was a little bit sort of stunted it was really quick um and they just basically portrayed it as a death sentence whereas right. you know these days there are medications and treatment plans that's right they kind of skimmed over it do you think yeah yeah it was just like okay this person has hiv and then within a couple of episodes they're on their deathbed basically yeah which is kind of like i mean that is a hard fact that that can happen but it's also a little bit irresponsible in terms of like you can show the other side of it too especially with this series that has had so much sadness throughout it like it would have been nice to finish because this is, they've said, the fourth and final season, this story's over after the high school ends. It would have been nice to finish on that positive note. Right, but they're just not. Even, like, even though you know he's still sick, like, it would have been nice to finish on, okay, here's a slight positive. Yeah, so it doesn't have a positive ending? No, it's really sad. <laughs> yeah, that sucks. There's like a particular scene where I wish it had ended, where the... The kids are at prom and it would have just been like the ultimate happy ending to just leave it there and you don't need to know what happens after that like for the rest of the end of school yeah interesting didn't selena gomez like um direct it uh she's one of the producers right okay she's had obviously a, a pretty strong hand in leading where it went and I thought so, and she's had her own mental health issues, so that's really interesting that she probably had a say in some of the events. Yeah. I think especially in this fourth season, there's a lot of LGBT uh, representation. I think that was a big thing for this season as well. That's awesome, yeah. Because a lot of people like coming to terms with their sexuality and coming out to their parents and seeing it not, not be as bad as they expect. Yeah, and it's important for kids to see that, do you know what I mean? Because times are changing, well, we hope they are. And before, they never really showed that experience on TV. No, absolutely not. Like, I remember when we were growing up, you'd never see a gay couple on TV. No, exactly. So, like, there is such, like, the strength in showing that on TV. I think that's really important. But as long as they understand the gravity of um, some of the damage that they can do if they do it irresponsibly. Yeah, I think the thing I took away from it the most was that there's a couple of characters in particular that come out to their parents and their parents are like, yeah, we kind of suspected we had a, f- a feeling. It, it wasn't a big deal. Surprise, like it wasn't a shock. They weren't, it wasn't a big deal either. They were just like, okay, yeah, bring your partner over. It's fine. I kind of hope for the day that we don't even have to come out. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just a normal thing. Like we shouldn't have to make a big deal out of I'm gay or I'm this. Yeah, it's no different. It's like, this is my partner we're having like, come over for dinner. Yeah, exactly. I hope that'll happen one day. Hopefully. It should. Like, we're heading down that path, surely. Yeah. Um, I've been watching, have you seen The Exposed, The Case of Kelly Lane? No, what's that on? 
Have you? Heard, it's on Netflix. Okay. Um, have you heard about Kelly Lane and like what she's been accused of? I know the name, but I don't know why. Right. So I thought I was like, I watch true crime all the time. I'm going to go to something local. So I watched this. It's a three episode series about Kelly Lane, who's a woman who lives in Sydney, and she's accused and convicted of murdering her baby, baby Tegan. Oh, yep. I remember this case. Yeah, so she's been sentenced to, like, 18 years in jail. And the case, like, comes from another lady that's like, let's just open um, the field a little bit and find out a little bit more. And basically, um, she was, like, a water polo champion. And before she had baby Tegan, she actually had two other pregnancies that she carried. One, she had an abortion. Another one she carried to full term and gave it up for adoption before having baby Tegan, and no one said anything. No one asked her, are you pregnant? She played water polo, like really high up water polo in a swimmers, which is an aggressive sport, um, and she was fully pregnant, and no one asked her, are you okay? Like she didn't tell anyone she was pregnant. She was hiding it in baggy clothes. Um, her parents claimed to not know the whole time she's been pregnant three times over. How do you not realise that? Yeah, it's just like a really interesting look into this woman who's obviously struggling. So apparently the first two pregnancies, she had no counselling after it. And I think she was like reinforced that she can't, because she was quite young, um, you can't be pregnant and be successful. So I think she kept it as this secret. Um, And anyway, she has baby Tegan at a hospital on her own. No one knows that she's in there. After playing a water polo match like the finals, she goes to the hospital in Sydney, has the baby. The next day she dresses in white and goes to a wedding Um, and they don't know where the baby went. They've never found her, never found her body. She claims um, her her partner has her, but that's never been substantiated. Yeah, surely that's an easy thing for them to just go and find out. Well, she had her in the hospital and then she claimed that the father took her and when they were like, I can't remember the name of the father, I think it was like Norman or something, and she called him Thorman or something like that. She like said, oh, yeah, he's got her, but they could never like um, verify whether that happened. And anyway, she claims complete innocence and that Tegan's alive somewhere and healthy and happy because the dad wanted to keep it all to himself and like she wanted to be successful without the mother involved um, now that the mum's in jail. And it's just like a really interesting case because I kind of think she's like a woman that obviously had a lot of issues herself and she never got counselling for it. And you kind of feel sorry for her in the first instance, but then you're like, hold on, like, come, just come out with the truth. It's been so long now. You just want to find the grandchild. Yeah, like, just stop lying to us, like. something strange has happened, just tell us the truth. That's right. Like, she's been convicted and she's claiming innocence, but, I mean, goes into her history as a uh, a teenager and she's just like a seasoned liar. So, I mean, she's. I feel feel like she's guilty, but then they kind of go into, like, another thing where there's, like, a little bit of cast of shadow of doubt, um, which I won't give away because I think it's really interesting to watch. And you kind of go, oh, maybe she is, maybe she isn't, but she's definitely hiding something. Do you know what I mean? Like it might not be that she murdered her, but that she's definitely hiding something. Yeah, it definitely sounds like 
her history with the previous pregnancies probably if she did kill the baby like that's obviously played a part you would assume yeah i mean i think her parent her parents were very interesting they were very high up in society and i think it would have been a shame thing for her being pregnant unwed unmarried like so i think and the parents being in complete denial like how do you live with your daughter who's nine months pregnant and not know and she's playing water polo in a swim costume yeah like surely she's showing some sort of bump well that's what they're saying and they go into like the coaches that were coaching her and they're like yeah we didn't notice anything but there's like a photo of her and she's clearly pregnant like she's obviously got a bump yeah and all of her teammates like going under the water to have a look so like everybody knew but no not one person said something it's just very interesting. It's like this thing in Australian society where we're like, oh, it's not my business, so I have no right to say anything. So we kind of just, like, hold this thing. We're like, there's something wrong here, but it's not my business, so I'm just going to keep it quiet when really we should be standing up and being like, are you okay? Yeah, like, you never know, like, how much that could have changed the whole scenario if someone had just asked her if she needed help. That's right. Yeah, so I found it really interesting. It's definitely worth a watch. Yeah, like just that that idea of asking for help, like that's something that I've noticed this weekend over on Twitter. There's been a big movement on the hashtag speaking out in the wrestling industry. Right. And it's all about all the women in the industry are now coming out and sort of telling their stories of how they've been abused like sexually or just treated poorly by some of the men in the industry. Yeah, definitely. And it's 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 all come down to this one thing of like if people around them had just said something or but people just don't want to get involved so they just They don't. But you just sort of realise like you, you could change somebody's life just by saying, Are you okay? or like trying to get to the bottom of it. It's just so interesting that we have the power to do that but we just get too scared. Yeah, absolutely. People see see things that they're just like, that's not right, but they just don't want to be involved, so they just ignore it, and then it just it blows up into these bigger, bigger issues than they ever needed to be. Yeah, and I mean, I always hope that if I see something, I'd say something, but you just never know till you're in that situation. I just know if I was in it, I would hope that someone could notice and and just simply even like, slip me a piece of paper are you okay or like you see those things in the toilet like the toilets in the girls store and they're like go to the bar and say something about rebecca and they like save you like it's just it's cool that there's things out there but we just need to do more about it yeah like the whole like i think it's the ask for angela or something at the bar campaigns yeah that's it and that's what i'm talking things. about yeah yeah that, like they're such a good idea but i've also noticed that they just put them on coasters in the bar like it's i know not it's not a secret <laughs> It should be a sort of secret thing. That's right. I know. And like so many women get put in those positions. And I mean, it's pretty brave to have to go up to the bar. What if someone overhears you or the guy that you're with like follows you? Because that can happen. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, it's a scary th- situation to be in. That's right. Uh, I'm trying to think what else I've been watching. Uh, I watched the on the sickening, scary situation front. Mm-hmm. The Jeffrey Epstein, Filthy Rich Doco on Netflix as well. Yeah, yeah, I watched it too. Oh, my God, what a massive creep. What a man with such power. He just, like, he just makes me sick to look at. Like, I just can't believe 
that he got away with so much because he has so much money. And and even just the way he got his money, like he's just lied and manipulated his way his whole life to get to where he is. And people let him. That's the worst part. People let him. Even I think it was in the first episode when they were speaking about how he got that first job that started to get him lots of money, like even like he got the job at the school through lying. Mm-hmm. Then he got the job at the like investment company basically through lying and then that got him heaps of money so then he could just do whatever he wanted basically i know and i mean i think like that whole him like i can't believe he had a pyramid scheme of underage girls that's what shocked me that he could like recruit a girl right get her to massage him or whatever he did which was horrific and then kind of play on their vulnerability and say, if you want me to stop this, find me someone else. And then that just kept snowballing and snowballing and snowballing. Yeah, and it was all girls that were in high school bad situations to begin with. They were all lower income, so 200 bucks was a massive thing to them. And they were lonely, so they were like, oh, I'm going to go do this thing. And then it just like, it just, yeah, it really... It was quite shocking to watch, but very interesting. Like, It was pretty horrible that some of those girls ended up sort of getting charged and everything as well when they were... Yeah, when they were victims. And that's, that's what I noticed too is there was this one girl that I watched her tell her story and I was like, you are still suffering so much. I think she like brought her sister into it because he offered her a trip to Thailand to like better her career options. She told her sister to come along and then he obviously ended up molesting and raping her sister. So then she blames herself. And just the way she talked about herself, I could tell there was like absolute trauma where she couldn't see that he actually victimized her and that made her in a vulnerable position that made her then go on to her sister. And she kind of like blamed herself for this whole thing. And I was like, it's not your fault. It's his fault. He started that whole business and preyed on a young vulnerable woman and it's just sad the problem is yeah i don't think she'll ever be able to forgive herself like if you no, exactly and i can understand yeah to do that to your own sister and not realize what was happening you would just you would never never be able to forgive yourself for that i know i mean i do like that the documentary called them survivors and not victims i don't know if you noticed that like every time they were talking they had like survivor of him and I thought that was really powerful because so often when women are in vulnerable positions we call them victims and we need to give them power by saying they are survivors of other people's issue like I thought that was really cool yeah it's such a such a small and easy change but it just totally changes the dynamic of what they're viewed as and who they view themselves as yeah I mean language is such a powerful thing I know like when I listen to my true crime podcast I get so angry when they speak about people who have sex with their victim. I'm like, it's not sex, it's called rape. Just say it. Oh, absolutely, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it just frustrates me. It's not a choice. Like, they've obviously been victimised. Like, this is actual rape and just say it how it is. It just irritates me. So I thought that was really strong of the, the people that made the documentary. So kudos to those guys. But did you um see, do you think his death at the end was suicide no yeah i know i've listened to so many true crime podcasts and they always talk about that hyoid bone being um like broken in three places yeah yeah you don't you don't get that just from sitting and leaning forwards 
No, you get that from strangulation. So I find that very interesting because I was so angry. I was like, this coward has gone and got out of it, right, by committing suicide. And then I'm like, oh, interesting. I wonder if there was other things at play. Yeah, just the the people that they suggested were involved. They obviously bring up Donald Trump, Prince Mm -hmm. Andrew, (laughs) Bill Clinton, Yep. As the sort of most prominent examples, like just those three alone, if he spoke, raises so many issues. That's right. And I think and that's I think that's where the whole conspiracy theory comes from. Like those people wouldn't want to be outed. Yeah, a lot of powerful people um, that could have been in a very vulnerable position. That Prince Albert, though, he's like, oh, I've never met that girl in my life. How did you get the photo of her? With, like, how did you get a photo with her then? Oh, I don't remember. Yeah, that was, like, what was he? Like, it's just. He's obviously lying in that video. Like, what are you doing? Like, there's a photo. It's clearly you. You clearly met the girl. Don't pretend like you didn't. You just make yourself look way worse. It's in that world of, like, I have money and I can get away with it, whatever I want. It's like a power thing. And then for his, like, Epstein's, was it his wife or his girlfriend? What's her name? Yeah, she had a weird, she had a weird name. And she's like, I had nothing to do with it. I didn't know anything about it. I'm like, yes, you did. There's no way you could have hung around that for so long and not known. Especially when they're coming to his house. It's not like he was doing it at an office or at hotels. It was at their house. Exactly. And she was involved. And on international trips, like they're on a plane with you. There's underage girls on a plane with you. Yeah, they went to a to an island, like a private island, where he would just do whatever he wanted. Like those poor women... Can't imagine what they went through. Probably the last sad thing I watched was um, the Trial by Media documentary series. Right. Again on Netflix. I've been watching a lot of Netflix. (laughs) Um, So it's a six-part doco which looks at how the media has played a role in six different legal cases. Yeah. Four uh, notable episodes that I picked out. There's episode one, which is called Talk Show Murder, and it's about a man that was brought onto not the Ricky Lake show, but something similar to that. He's brought on there to find out which of his friends has a crush on him. Right. And it turns out that the friend is another man. Okay. And then he went and killed that friend after the show because he felt, like, embarrassed and didn't, like, like what had happened on the show. Right. So then the show goes into how the media influenced that and the trial and everything. Interesting. Uh, Episode two is called The Subway Vigilante, and it's about a man that shoots three or four black teenagers on the train, claiming that they were trying to rob him. Right. And then obviously that's a massive story on the news in New York. So Yeah. How how does he get a fair trial? How does the whole situation play out? Right, when everyone's like, prob- yeah, already convicted him in their mind with it all over the papers. Like, you don't get a jury that's impartial. Yeah, but it was like, it was a mixture too, because there was people that were totally with him saying, yes, he was obviously being robbed and it was self defense. But then there's all these other people saying, being like, he shot them multiple times. Like, yeah. Once you shoot them once, they're, they're stopped. They're not going to rob you anymore. And, that's right. You could shoot up and scare them and run away. Like there's other options he could have done. Yep. 
And then there's the third episode, which is called 41 Shots, and it's pretty poignant at the moment in Black Lives Matter happening. It's a Kenyan or Nigerian migrant. He's shot. He's standing in, like, the entrance to his apartment building, and he gets shot by the police 41 times. Right. Overkill. Yeah. Like, there's four or five cops, and they all just kept shooting until he stopped moving. Like, he's definitely dead. Yeah. I mean, it's so tough. Like, these, we need to tell more stories like that. I'm just, like, I do love true, true crime, but a lot of it is based on white crimes. We need to talk about more about the marginal groups that don't get talked about. It's so important. Yeah, and this this one, like, at the moment, like, it's just such a important story too because it, it goes into how these cops were then tried and because it was such a big story in the city that it happened, it had to then be tried outside in a different jurisdiction. Mm-hmm. But it got moved to a jurisdiction that went from primarily black people in the neighbourhood to a neighbourhood that was primarily white people. Right. So how do they do a trial of their peers when it's totally changed the dynamic of what's happening? Yeah, that's interesting. I bet you a lot of people don't think about that. Yeah, like you wouldn't think of it as just like, okay, we have to move it somewhere else because everybody here knows about it. Yeah. But it also shouldn't be moved from one neighbourhood that is going to draw in, say, 80% of the jurors would have been black Mm -hmm. to one where 80% of the jurors are white. Yeah. Like it just totally changes the whole dynamic. Crazy. And then the last episode that stood out was called Big Dan's. And again, it's on sort of the sexual assault front. It's about a lady that goes to a bar to get some smokes. She has a drink and then is raped by multiple people at the bar on the pool table. Oh, my God. Everyone's standing around watching. So It's just crazy what's out in the world these days. It's just horrible to think. That's why I've been watching, um, watching Queer Eye. Okay. Have you watched it? No. I just, I just, when I get into my true crime thing, I just need to have something that's positive. And Queer Eye is definitely that. So the new season just came out. Um, and I cry. I'm not a crier. Like, I am tough. I don't cry at anything. In the first three episodes, I cried my eyes out. Like like happy tears or happy tears. I just found it was like so amazing. I don't know if you watched. Do you ever watch the original Queer Eye? I watched bits and pieces of it. Yeah, ages ago when that was first on. Yeah, they were saying that was about tolerance. Like we tolerate gay people, and this um, new season's all about like we accept everybody. So they don't just do Queer Eye for men. They do every uh, so women. They had the first episode like that made me cry was a pastor. And he was actually gay, so he came out as gay and he was in the church and he struggled a lot with his, like, sexuality and he was saying, like, if I can change one person's life to say you can come to church and we accept you, no matter what sexual orientation you have or your racial history, then I'm so glad that I'm in that position to be there. But it took him, like, so long to get there and the Queer Eye people were like, your story is so important. And it just changed his life because he was, like, really struggling and then... Yeah, it was just amazing. And I just bawled on the lounge. <laughs> My husband came home. He's like, are you okay? I said, no, this is amazing. 
It's the best. Yeah, that would have been a strange one to walk into. Like, why are you crying? I'm not sad. I'm really happy. I know. I'm really happy. Yeah. So it's just like, I just, I just find it like just so amazing. Like they each have their own little talent, but it's just a positive show. Like it gets to the real hard stuff like you were talking about. Like there was this one episode that I saw and they got pulled over by a cop and the Karamo, who's African-American, he was driving at the time and they couldn't understand why he was panicking. And he was like, this is what it feels like for black people to get pulled over by, by cops. Like it is, it induces panic because we've been taught to surrender and it could get dangerous and it just talks about real stuff, but it also like gets to the heart of the issue and then flips it to a positive side about how we need to talk about these things and we can like build each other up and not just be ignorant. Um, so it's really good. If anyone wants to watch it, it's a good happy tear. I can imagine the dynamic is pretty different compared to what it was. When was the original out? When we were in high school, that's a long time ago now. Yeah, exactly. And I think that was more like it was kind of a spectacle, which is sad to say, but it's like, oh, this is five gay men. It looks cool, but it was all about appearances. It didn't really get to the nitty gritty of it. And this next season, it's definitely like it tells like different stories. Like um, Tan's from, I can't remember where he's from, like Israel or something. And he's like, his parents don't accept him, but he's like, I wasn't going to come on this show because I didn't want them to see me. And then he was like, no, like, I should do this. This is so important because if my story can take change something for someone else, then I want to do it. So, and it's fun. It's fun to watch. They get dressed up and the poor people are like, oh my God, I have five gay guys in my house that are just going to town <laughs> my stuff. <laughs> so it's really good. I can imagine that'd be a weird feeling. Okay. These guys are here and now we're changing everything about everything. your life, but it's a, it's a good change. Like it's not. It's a good change. I mean, like there's so many people that like, you just watch them and like, oh my God, you've just gotten stuck in feeling a certain way you don't know how to get out of it and they just totally flip it on their head like and just say like you can work with this like you can make it a positive experience and like let's move forward you know so there's one episode in the season before where a guy has his brother had been shot and he like met the guy that shot him and he forgave him and it was just really powerful to see someone like confront such a big thing in their life because he was definitely like trapped in that trauma so it definitely, like, it shows a different side to people that you don't realise. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm a privileged woman, so to watch other people's story and go, oh, okay, I, I have a lot of empathy for others going through some really tough stuff. So it's a good thing. It's positive and it's happy and we need it right now because the world's pretty crazy. Yeah. And on that positive, yeah, if you need a good laugh, mm-hmm. Hannah Gadsby dropped her new... Netflix special, Douglas. Okay. Did you watch the previous one, Nanette? No. So, okay, that's going to be hard then. It follows up on, it follows Nanette, which is all about, it was all about the patriarchy and misogyny. Right. And like just people being crappy people, basically. Right. And then this one, it follows on that sort of same vein, but it also brings in her experience of living with autism. Okay. So it's a really nice look at how obviously it's difficult for her living in an industry that is predominantly men, but then it's also 
extra difficult because her brain just doesn't work the way everybody else's does. She can't process things and yeah. have those social interactions in a, a typical manner. Yeah. People misinterpret it. and Yeah, so it's, it's a fun little document, uh, documentary stand-up comedy special. Um, I might have to check that out. Pokes a little bit of fun at anti-vaxxers. Okay, okay. Obviously, as someone with autism, she's like, it didn't do anything. I had the autism before vaccines. Wow. Yeah, you need some positive things in your life. So if you can have a laugh, I think that's important. Yeah, she definitely made me laugh a bit, especially when she brings up very into art. So she brings up all the ancient paintings and just being like, why is this woman standing here with her boobs out for no reason? (laughs) Can't, don't we wish we all, could all do that? I don't know, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Sean would love that. You just do whatever. Boobs yeah, I know. He wouldn't he complain, that's me. for sure. <laughs> oh, dear. So what would be your top recommendation for the week? I think that Kelly Lane was a really interesting series. I think it being an Australian case, it's really good. That's my top recommendation. And, yeah, for me, I have to give the... Jeffrey Epstein documentary, even though it's pretty gross and hard to watch. It's important, hey. It's a pretty yeah. important story, and especially with who was involved, like it seems like something that people need to know more about. Definitely, and hear these women's stories. Like it's so powerful for them to be able to tell it. So we should listen. Okay, so thank you everyone for listening to the commentary booth. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes because that really helps us grow. Uh, you can follow me on social media at Jamie Apps Media, and you can follow Leah on Instagram at l.polton and her dog on pa- Piper the Lilac Frenchie. Full stop after Piper. The commentary booth is a fan funded production of Jamie Apps Media. You can support the podcast alongside our magazine, Jamzine, over on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash jamieappsmedia. The following people supported at the Jam publisher level or higher, and you cannot fathom how incredibly appreciative we are for their support. Brian and June Hart, Caitlin Fitzgerald, Courtney Paulson, Tracy Apps. (laughs) 